Yes, Lord, there will be breakthrough for your people. There will be breakthrough for your church, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for this day, the third day, the day of your double blessing, Lord. We thank you for victory for all eternity, Lord. I pray that you open our hearts and our minds and our ears and break the shackles, Lord, because your word cannot be chained. Your people can never be chained. Your people must walk in the authority and the victory that you have given them already, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you strengthen us in our spirits, you quicken our spirits, and that our flesh will just be put to the side and it's that we walk in your Holy Spirit and speak your eternal truth that never changes and that we, we spread your love, Lord, and that your love not only is about the warmth of the love, but it's also about the discipline that your love brings, Lord. Because, Father, you discipline us because you love us. So, Lord, as we love our neighbors, let us understand that it is also about speaking the truth to them, but lovingly bringing discipline to our communities and walking as your warriors, as walking as your army, walking as your people in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. morning and um, yeah we're in part eight so we've been going at this for two months and what a, what a journey it has been up until this point so Jesus the word of God and our DNA and the design of his creation um, part eight and um, you know we have a look at God's ratio and his design and we've looked at from the the biggest of all things in the macrocosm of the universe and we've looked at the smallest of all things the visible and invisible and uh, we look at how God's spiral and his ratio is in everything and the way that a baby grows within a mother's womb is exactly the same how marvelous and how fearfully and wonderfully we've been made You know, life in the natural, from birth to death, there is a cycle of the natural human life. And the cycle from a baby crawling, or not only being born, to start crawling, to the time the baby first sits up and holds their weight, to the time a baby sort of tries to stand up and then falls over, and eventually develops a core strength to stand and then then you can't stop that baby she, that baby wants to run everywhere so now you need a leash almost to keep your baby in check but yes the process of growth 
and the process, you know, from a child to a teenager to a young man or a woman, you know, um, all of us as parents and grandparents understand this process. And yes, some of us are in different stages of the cycle. And you know, the natural body, um, we get older. There is, there is an aging process. You know, uh, our body doesn't function the way it used to. Uh, we don't recover as quick as we used to. Yeah, but there's good news. And Jesus had brought us the good news. And, you know, the, it's in the little things in life that we can see. As the flowers blossom and they shine, that process repeats itself. We don't tell the flowers when to close and when to open. But the flowers, when the sun comes and the sun shines, they open up. You know, uh, the birds, we spoke about this last week. It's actually incredible, it's even in the scripture, that the birds migrate, and they know when it's their season to migrate. Not only do they know when to fly, they know how to get there. They don't get lost. And this is in the natural kingdom. So if nature knows God's cycle, if nature knows God's seasons, isn't it about time we as Christians know our season and our destination? So what is our destination? You know, what, what, what picture do we have of where, where are we going? Yeah, um, you know, I, I was taught as a younger man, um, I accept Jesus and I'm going to heaven. I didn't ask any more questions. I accepted that fact. So yeah, like a man who's walking into the clouds, but he's not going anywhere specific, he's going to the clouds. It's time to start realizing that God has a specific destination and a specific plan for each of us. It's not just aimlessly walking into the clouds. And God's call for us is for spiritual growth. He wants to grow us up. And just like the human cycle of life, there is a spiritual cycle of life. Of the inner man and the inner woman. That when we come to Jesus, we come to the cross. And we become born again of the water, of the Holy Spirit of God. We're still babes. We're still babies. We can only drink milk. But God wants us to eat the meat. He wants us to live in the authority and the victory that He's already brought. And it's like the steps of a ladder. The rungs of the ladder. We've spoken about this. The rungs of a ladder in our DNA. Those rungs is the love and the grace of God. And through that love and grace, each rung is a test or a trial. He's proving and trying our hearts. And as we overcome that trial or obstacle, we get a promotion. We take the next step. Because why? The next time the fire comes our way, we have the strength to endure that trial and temptation. 
And God wants us to be fruitful in our walk for Him. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and, the, and He delights in His way. And though He may f- fall, He shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth Him with His hand. This is a promise from David, Psalm 37. And in John 15 verse 8 it says, Herein is my Father glorified. This is what makes God happy and brings glory to Him. Is that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Discipleship is about growing up in the knowledge and growing up in the authority of God. And in His Word. And each of these steps here are referring to the fruit of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. The quickening Spirit. And in Galatians 5 verse 22 it says, But the fruit of the Lord of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, endurance is another word. And against there, such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh along with all the affections and lusts. With all the fleshly desires, they are crucified on the cross with Him. Because if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This, this is a challenge. This is a difficult thing to do, but it's a process. But we are to produce fresh fruit daily for God. Because if we live in Him, if He is the vine and He and we abide in the vine, we are those branches, we are to produce fruit. Because Jesus says if that branch does not bear any fruit, He will cut it off. It's like the parable of the fig tree. Yeah, we've come to Christ, but now what have we done with it? You know, and how do I see now? You know, let's get our eyes tested. The, the whole purpose of these studies is to understand the times through the lens of Scripture so that we can focus the rays of light and understand that the vision that we see is not from our perspective. It's from a heavenly perspective. It's from a kingdom perspective. So the way Jesus looks at this world, the way Jesus looks at each and every one of us, what does He see in us, in me? So here, we've all been for an eye test. Can you read the bottom letters? You can. What does it say? Jesus, give us true light for sight. It's His light that gives us the ability to see clearly and discern clearly in the spirits between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error and he focuses through the word of God those are the glasses the contact lenses he focuses exactly and you know I just want to give a summary of the teachings up until this point so if we just go back a trip down where we've been Jesus the Word of God is all in all. He's the I am in all. He's the I am in the instruments in the, in the temple. He's also the I am in our DNA. 
Those seven I am statements match our DNA. And we know now there is a mathematical formula in the universe, in creation, and in music. That formula applies. And we know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Our design from the invisible things to the visible things, from our, our frame, our skeleton, our bones, our internal systems, our five senses, our five central systems, our nervous systems, our immune systems, our muscular systems, our respiratory systems, the cardiovascular systems, all of these. We know that our hearts have been made, the four chambers, and how God searches our hearts, our chromosomes and genetics that are contained, our code in our book, the letters that are inscribed in our book, our DNA, it's His book and His story. Throughout the scripture, the Holy Spirit makes it very clear. He lists the generations. There is a book of generations for each and every one of us. When God opens the books, there is a book of generations that He will read out about every single one of us. And this is why in every, almost every book in the Bible there is a genealogy of where and who this person's father came and who was the father and the son and how the lineage was made. So this is our DNA. This is his book. And that we are the temple of God. And that we are the light bearers of the world in all of the beautiful color and the kaleidoscope and, 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 and all of that, the radiance in the light. Because as I said, white light, when it's diffused, it has the full spectrum. But God takes that spectrum and blends and shades us into His white light. And through the medium, and the medium is His Holy Spirit and His Word. It's not a glass prism, it's His Word that transforms us. And that we are the sweet savor and smell. I mean, just understand this. That God, as He sits now on His throne and has sat for all eternity, what does He put underneath His throne? What does God sit on? What does He smell every single day? It's the vials of the prayers of the saints. It's the prayers, every single prayer that has been said from the beginning of time, that has been said today, and that is still yet to come. This is what delights God. This is His treasure, is our prayers to Him. And this is what He smells all day long. And this is the flavor, and the flavor as the salt of the world, and that we are His people, and a purchased possession that is paid in full. And we've also learned that, you know, and this is a misconception I had, that the law had been done away with, and that we were under the law of grace alone. 
But actually, we are under the law of God and the grace of God. Because the law is the pillars. This is what holds everything together. The rungs in the ladder is the love and the grace of God. That's what binds. That's the glue. That's the archway. That's what joins everything together. It's the love, the two greatest commandments. Is that the Lord our God is one and that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and all our strength. And the second greatest commandment is that we shall love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the glue. The love. That's the arch. We talk about keystones. That's the key. It's the love of God is the key. It keeps the balance between the law. Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. But he came... Is, to end the curse of the law. And this is the most important thing. Is that he nailed it to the tree. The curse of the law for the wages of sin is death. So the curse of the law was made null and void by his death and resurrection. So we're still under the law. The law will still measure every one of us according to our works. But the curse of the law has been ended. And this is this distinction we need to understand. And that love is the key. Love is the keystone that binds us and everything in the universe. One verse. We all know the scripture so well. We've quoted it many times. I've had this on my wall myself. From the book of Jeremiah 29 verses 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you know what God's plan is? Do you know what His plan is for your life? And, and these are questions that we each need to ask ourselves. I search myself daily with these questions. And why am I a believer? Is it for me, or is it for Him? I mean, what makes God's heart happy? I want to make my Father in Heaven's heart happy, and bring joy to Him, not pain and grief. And what is God's recipe for me? What are the ingredients that God needs to make me? What are the ingredients that God needs to form me, to shape me? He is the potter. And what has it cost Him? It cost Him His only Son. That's the price. His only Son. That is how much God loves us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What if, and what does it cost me? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Fill in the blanks. What does it cost me to believe in Him, to, say, to serve Him, to worship Him, to pray to Him, to get to know Him, to be more like Him? What does it cost me, and what am I prepared to pay? And who is Jesus? Who is He? 
Not just to me, but who is he? We cannot put him in a box. And do I serve the real Jesus? The one who walked the shores of Galilee? Do I serve that Jesus? Do I serve the Jesus in the Bible? The volume of the book is written of him. Or do I serve a form of who I think is Jesus? Now, this is a difficult slide to read. But it's really a comparison between the biblical Jesus and the postmodern Jesus. And some people call it the emerging church. Some people call it the seeker-friendly or social gospel. But let's have a look. What was the biblical Jesus about? And what do many churches say who Jesus is today? So Jesus was born as God Almighty in the flesh. He never lost his Godhead. Or God, he was always God. But now postmodernist says he was born as a man who was promoted to deity. Understand that. He never lost his Godhood. He is always God. He is the Word of God from the beginning. And Jesus warns of sin and judgment and hell. And the postmodern says, never says anything negative. What does Isaiah say? Prophesy to us smooth things. Let us hear the smooth things. Jesus commands repentance of sin. The modern Jesus disregards repentance of sins. The biblical Jesus gives you salvation, hope, peace, and joy, whereas the modern Jesus gives you health, wealth, and happy feelings. The biblical Jesus hated, was hated and despised by the world. The postmodern Jesus is loved and accepted by the world. The biblical Jesus hates sin and exposes the truth about sin. The postmodern Jesus condemns sin and never corrects you of your sins. The biblical Jesus commands with divine authority. And the, the postmodern Jesus gives suggestions instead of commandments. Speak to us smooth things. It's a very dangerous line. Because Jesus, let your yea be yea and your no be no. And Jesus offended the world with the truth. The postmodern Jesus hates to offend you, but loves political correctness. The biblical Jesus brings division when necessary. The postmodern Jesus promotes unity and tolerance at all costs. The biblical Jesus preaches God's righteousness. The postmodern Jesus preaches only on love. Without speaking the truth in love. The truth of God never changes. It's never changed. You cannot have one without the other. And the biblical Jesus exalt, exalts God, the Father's will. The postmodern Jesus serves your will, not God's will. The biblical Jesus warns of false signs and wonders and magnifies God's word. 
The postmodern Jesus exalts signs and wonders and mysticism above God's word. How many times have you seen on, on a show or in a service or on a Christian television show where basically this guy gets up and things start happening and the word of God gets rescued, put aside and it's all about the spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit have to line up 100%. Always. And they edify each other. The Holy Spirit always edifies God the Father and God the Son. He never brings glory unto the man. He never brings glory unto the Spirit or to the wonder or to the sign. There was a wonderful man. And most of us have forgotten. I mean, I never knew about this man until a few years ago. But did you know they had revival amongst the Zulus in South Africa? There was a guy by the name of William Duma in Amgeni Road in Durban. The testimony of this man's life is incredible. And I have the copy of, of his life story. They no longer publish that book. Us as Christians in this country have forgotten about this man. But this is a man that every time from a little shack, when he got up to speak, he said, take your glory, Lord. Every single time. People were raised from the dead. People were healed. Revival happened in the Zulus, in the midst of apartheid. God moved mightily through a herds boy from the Valley of a Thousand Hills in KwaZulu-Natal. He was a herdsman. Just like David. An incredible life story. William Duma. And the biblical Jesus demands that emotion and experience and opinion conform to sound doctrine. It's always about sound doctrine. The postmodern Jesus exalts emotion, experience and opinion above sound doctrine. Because what Jesus are we after? Are we after the experience of Jesus, or are we after the truth? So never base an opinion on emotion, or never base an opinion on an experience and a warm, fuzzy feeling. You always have to line it up to the Word of God. That is how you know and you'll be able to discern whether you are in the truth. If it's in the Word of God and it's based on sound doctrine, you will never be deceived. That is how not to be deceived. And the Lord has taken me on a path where He has shown me the counterfeit. And another one of the series I will, I will start showing the corruption of the design and the counterfeit Holy Spirit. But this is a reality. People need to understand that the devil do not wonder or do not marvel if he appears as an angel of light. Because he does. So this is why we need to be rooted and grounded and settled and established in God's Word and in His love. Because His Word is the greatest love story ever told. And the biblical Jesus commands you to deny yourself and allow Christ to work in you. And the postmodern Jesus encourages you to love yourself and gratify all your fleshly desires. Yeah? Give us, you know, God gives us. I love God because He gives. You know, so which Jesus do I follow?
This is so relevant in this time. And from birth to rebirth, God's book is my book. And 2 Timothy 3, we started with this verse. It says, from infancy you have known the holy scriptures that you are able to give to sorry that are able to give you the wisdom you need for salvation through faith in the Messiah Jesus. And this is from the ISV version because the translation we, we, we talk about Jesus Christ. It comes from the Greek word which is Christos. Which, act, which means Messiah. So let's address him at his title. He's the Messiah. He's, that's who he is. And the ISV is translated that Christus as Messiah. So when I read Messiah Jesus, I'm, not, I'm just calling him at his title. And it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good action. This is a process. Sound doctrine, teaching. For reproof, biblical reproof and conviction. For correction, for biblical, on, you know, reproof is like, I'm not doing something right. Correction is the Bible's way or God's way of correcting us. And then, and training in righteousness. There is training that is required. So, religion versus a relationship with God. And if, if we see what Jesus has to say about this, this has got to stir us up and wake us up. The seven woes of religion by Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees preached, but they did not practice. We have, you have one instructor, and it's Christ. It's Jesus. He's our teacher. And the greatest shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. God's way is not man's way. It's the other way round. What we think is the right way. Many of our plans in a man's heart, but it is the, it's the way of the Lord that prevails. And so really I encourage you to read the scripture and meditate on Matthew 23, the entire, entire chapter. And we, you know, we, I've heard many sermons on this. And these are the seven woes about religion and tradition. And, 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 and woe it is like Isaiah when he enters into the throne room of God and he's low, low, low. It's no, 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 definitely not. That's what it is. It's woe to you. It is as strong as a condemnation as what you can get. And this is from the mouth of Jesus himself. So the first woe. He accuses them. He tells them they shut the kingdom of heaven in the people's faces. Because that religion they practice will not lead to salvation. The second word, he says they travel to make a single proselyte of hell just like themselves. A proselyte is the, the Hebrew as well as the, the old English word of saying a conversion. 
bringing somebody to Christ. So from a foreign land and you, you they become a convert. And you would understand that. So from Muslim, from Islam into Christianity, you've been a proselyte. But what they're saying is that we, Jesus is telling them that they're already condemned to hell. So that person you've converted through your religion, they are twice damned children of hell, is what he actually says. And the third word, he calls them blind guides who swear on the altar and on the temple, but he tells them it's the same as swearing by God. You know, Paul never bended the knee to anybody. Paul never took an oath or swore any allegiance to anybody. He didn't swear by Caesar. He said to me, I am branded, I am bonded, I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He carries the marks of Jesus Christ. And he was driven by this. And, and he knew that his allegiance was with Jesus. And that no man or no court was going to, to hold him. And, and the fourth word is, they, they tithe mint, dill and cumin. So they do all the tithing, the practicing. And this is, you know, it's like the grain offerings. This is what their offerings, and they bring the offerings. They bring the spices, they bring the sweet perfume, they bring all the wonderful things, but Jesus is saying, but they've lost the, the, the reason of the law, and this is one of the key verses here, <clears throat> is they have neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Those three things, they missed, they lost the heart and intention of the law, and they strain out a gnat, is what the King James says, it's like a flea. So they will point out the little flea, but yet, he tells them, you swallowed a camel. You know, he doesn't mince his words. This is righteous anger from Jesus himself. And the fifth woe is, woe to you. He says, they are clean on the outside, but inside they are full of greed and full of self-indulgence. I mean, we can say that about many, many, many people. But God is the one who really knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. He searches people's hearts. So, you know, and, and then the sixth word says, They appear beautiful on the outside, but are dead and lawless inside. There's lawlessness in their ranks. And the seventh word, and this is very important, it says, they are the sons of those who murdered the prophets, and how will they escape being sentenced to hell? Because they will kill, crucify, flog, and persecute Jesus' prophets, wise men, and scribes. As Jesus, he longed to gather them as children, but yet they were unwilling. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago. In the, in the first murder in the book of the Bible, Cain and Abel. What does God say? He says, the blood of your brother cries out to me. The blood of the prophets, the blood of the Christians, the blood that has been spilt of every one of God's children cries out to him. This is how serious, because God has said the life is in the blood. And every blood that has been spilt through whatever system, and especially in the name of religion, if we look at the history of religion, how much blood has been spilt? 
And God is going to hold them accountable for every single life, every single drop of blood. And this is the seven woes and dangers of religion. So it's, it's by faith and not by works. The preservation of the law and the faithfulness to the word of God wasn't just an exercise in morality and legalism for the sake of itself. It was meant to preserve the people for the Messiah, for Jesus' coming. Jesus Christ. And woe to us if in the process of pursuing religion and morality, we miss Christ. Let's not miss Him. Let's be in line with Him. And we can, and we can say that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. And not what we have done. It's by Him. In Romans 1, Paul nails this. Verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for the salvation of everyone who believes. Of the Jew first and the Greek as well. For the gospel, for in the gospel, God's righteousness is being revealed from faith to faith. And as it is written, the righteous or the just shall live by their faith. And that is from Malachi. And the Word of God. We thank God for His Word. We thank Him that we still have His Word today. You know, none of these guys ever had the Bible that we had today. You just go read Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. Not one of them had a Bible put between them. But yet God accounted their faith as righteousness unto them. And in the beginning of the book... In Deuteronomy, and this is the blessing and the curse of the Word of God and the law, and the, of changing God's Word and changing the law of God. And Moses says in Deuteronomy, he says, Look, I am about to grant you a blessing and a curse. Is when he's preaching, this is his last sermon before he dies. And he's talking to the nation, he says, A blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. Or a curse if you don't obey the commands of the Lord your God by turning from the way I'm commanding you today and following other gods whom you have not known. Moses is warning the people right then. And then in Galatians, Paul comes back to this. And he says, certainly all who depend on the actions of the law are under a curse. For it is written... A curse on everyone who does not obey everything that is written in the book of the law. Jesus said, if you are guilty of one offense, you are guilty of all. Now it is obvious that no one is justified in the sight of God by the law. Because the righteous shall live by their faith. He has that verse again. But the law has nothing to do with faith. This is the key. The law has nothing to do with faith. Instead, the person who keeps the commandments will have life in them. And the Messiah redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, a curse on everyone who is hung on a tree. And this is a significant question. God takes His word seriously. He's taken his design seriously. Do I have the right to change his book? Do I have the right to change his temple? 
or change our DNA. Think about this. Because it's His design, it's His fingerprint. And we need to be aware, there are many people trying to sell us this, that, that we need to change our DNA. Because our DNA is faulty, it's missing, it's got gaps in it. So, think about this, because there's a whole series on the biogenetics and where they are going with DNA. But we are His book, we are His temple. And as Christians, He's inscribed His name all over us. And what are the last words of Jesus in the entire Bible? What are His last words? It's a warning. It says, I am coming. And in Revelation 22, this is the last verse in the Bible, the last chapter in the book. It says, for, and this is just after the wedding feast. It says, the blessing and the curse of this book. The book of Revelation of Jesus Christ contains a blessing and a curse for those who read it. It contains a challenge for every single believer about this book. Because the book of Revelation covers the entire history. It's from Genesis to Revelation and back to Genesis again. There are more, hundred, more than 800 biblical scriptural references to the Old Testament. That's why we don't understand the symbols. We don't understand the trumpets and the bowls and the seals. Let's go and read the prophets. So Jesus is, I mean, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let everyone who hears this say, Come, let everyone who is thirsty, come. Let us hear, let us drink. Let anyone who wants the water of life, take it as a gift. This gift is available now. But what I'm saying and what the Holy Spirit is saying is that time is running out. Well, let's not abuse this gift. Let's not take this gift for advantage, uh, 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 for granted. And it says, I warn you, everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will strike him with the plagues that are written in this book. That should sober you up. If anyone takes away any words from the book of this prophecy, God will take away his portion of the tree of life and the holy city that are inscribed in this book. And the one who is testifying of these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. This is the last words of Jesus. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. Maranatha Yeshua. As they say in Hebrew. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all of the saints. Amen. This is the end of the book. And this word soon. Let's not be deceived. What does it really mean? The Greek word is, is taku. Which means shortly. That is without delay. That is soon. Or by surprise. Suddenly. Or quickly. So we've got to be ready. Without delay. This is what Jesus says. I am coming without delay. And should God take me seriously, if I don't take Him and His Word seriously? Very sobering thoughts. 
So today we ask this question, which Jesus do we serve? <clears throat> Is this the Jesus we serve? Is this the one I pray to? Is this the one I worship? Who is He? What does He look like to me? We've all seen this frail, broken Jesus on the cross. You walk into every single Catholic church, every single cathedral, the crown of thorns, there He is on the cross. Do we serve this Jesus? Or do we serve this one? The shepherd. Oh look, he's got a, a lamb in his hands. And he's wrought the flock and he saved the lamb. Do you serve this one? His hands open wide. Jesus our Savior. Yeah? Is this what he looks like? Do we serve this one? Do we serve this king? You know, white throne? You know? Up in, you know, Jesus sitting on the throne with a crown on his head. Yeah? Does he, is, is this the Jesus I pray to? Or do I pray to this Jesus, the heavenly Jesus? The Jesus who's in heaven surrounded by the angels with worship. Is this what he looks like to me? It's time to wake up. It's time for the church and the bride to wake up. And leave our Sunday school image of Jesus behind. Because it's enough. It is time to step up and stand up. Because Jesus is coming as the general. He's coming as the Lord of the heavenly armies. That's who is coming. And God wins. So which side do we choose? The winning side. So we've got to get behind Him and let Him lead us. This is the Jesus who is coming back like flame, like fire. With the brightness of His coming and the sound of His voice, the, with light and sound. And in one hour, He will destroy every single power, every single principality, every single nation and king in this earth. In one hour. Globally, they will be destroyed. All of their riches, all of their wealth, all of their treasures, everything, God is going to take it away like this. And this is the Jesus who is coming. We don't want to be in front of Him. We want to be behind Him. We want to be following Him. So it's time for us to change our point of view as a Christian. To know who we serve and who, what is his authority and what is his position? Because in Revelation 1, this is the vision of Jesus Christ. It says, look, he is coming in the clouds. And every eye will see him and even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Amen, so be it. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. So be it. It is done. And Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, declares the Lord God. The one who is, who was, and who is coming. The Almighty. You know, God created the world with just a few words. He created the universe with just a few words. But with just the sound and the light of His coming and His appearance, He will bring judgment 
and wrath onto this earth. So we need to get behind Him. And in Revelations 1, and this is the vision of Jesus Christ. This is what He looks like now. He says His head and His hair were, were like white wool, and in fact as white as snow. But His eyes were like flames of fire. And His feet were like glowing bronze, refined in the furnace. And His voice was like the sound of raging waters. This is the almighty, victorious Jesus. The real Jesus. He's not on the cross. He's not defeated. He's not broken. He's overcome. He conquered all. And through Him, what the Word says, we are more than conquerors. And in His right hand, He held the seven stars. He holds His people. He holds His church. And out of His mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. And His face was like the sun when it sh shines in full force. And when I saw Him, what happened to John? I fell at His feet like a dead man. We cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. And we will not stand in the presence of a holy God. He fell down as if He was dead. You look at every time in the Bible when God rocked up, they fell down. They even had to put a cord around the high priest's ankle when he went into the Holy of Holies. Because they would have to pull him out. When even just Gabriel pitched up, Daniel thought he was dead, he was done, done. He fell down as if he was dead. Isaiah, Ezekiel, all the way through scriptures. When the holiness and the glory of God appears, the flesh cannot stand. And this is what he's saying here. But this is the hope. It says, but he placed on his right hand on me and said, it said, stop being afraid. Let's not be afraid. And I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I have the keys of death and Hades. This is the Jesus who is coming. So we believe in God alone and not man or religion. It's time to, to, to expose those lies. It's time that, you know, we've been baited and hooked. You know, we've swallowed the meek, the mild and the timid. We've swallowed the do not offend and be comfortable Christianity. And guess what? We've become the fish. Instead of what? Being the fishes of men. Instead of being the fishermen. There's a hook that's been, we've swallowed it. So it's time for God's people, the body of Christ is sick. Let's know, we're not supposed to be sick. The body of Christ is weak. No. The body of Christ has lost her authority and impact in this world today. And I want to remind you, it took 120 men and women of prayer and unity to turn the world upside down and challenge the greatest empire the world had ever seen. The Romans. 120 men and women filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Walking in the authority of God. And now, are we disciples in this world? And if you look around you, everything that we read, what we see on the news, all the magazines and the books, we look at the entertainment, we look at the movies, the series, the internet, we look at the music. 
in religious education and worldly education. They perpetuate the sad, dead and fallen Jesus. The dead flesh, the broken, the abused, the crown of thorns. Enough! And some people love God because He gives. You know, name it and claim it, they say. But my question, God's question is, for whom? He owns everything already. He's one already. He doesn't need anything else. He just wants you and He wants all of you. And do I believe that God cannot lie? Do I believe in God's word and His promises? Do I live like it matters? Now, today. And how do I pray? This is so important, my brothers and sisters. Listen to the words I speak when I pray. Do I pray the same prayer? Do I, or do I just repeat scriptures? Don't you think God doesn't know His word already? Don't you think God doesn't or know? He hasn't already heard this? You know, are my prayers with authority? And are they specific? God answers desperate, specific prayer. You look at Hannah. The desperate prayer of Hannah. The priest thought she was drunk. But God gave the world a prophet. Samuel. Are my prayers personal? And do they get answered? Jesus, the general. Jesus, the teacher. Jesus, the coach. Jesus, the chef. And the all in all. A true Christian is a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Jesus is our commander-in-chief. He is the only superpower in all of the universe. And it's time to get in line behind Jesus in God's army. Prepare and train now. To fight for Him and to lay your life down. God's armor is not just about protecting me. Many of us pray the armor of God unto us, but what are we doing with it? Have we actually got into a battle with it? So we are in a supernatural war for the souls of men and women. There is nothing more precious than one can be given the responsibility of is a human heart and soul. And this is the responsibility that Jesus has given us His church. For the souls of men and women. We are His army. We are His ambassadors. And get on the winning side and stop sitting on the fence. The general issues an order. All he wants to hear is yes sir or, and no sir. That's what a general does. There's no discussion. The teacher gives, us a, gives an instruction. And all he wants to hear is yes sir and no sir. The coach runs a play. The coach coaches the team. And all he wants to hear is yes sir 
And no, sir. The chef issues an order in a kitchen. And you guys know, I'm a chef. And all he wants to hear is yes, sir. And no, sir. There's no discussion. And a farmer, when he plants a seed, he nurtures it, he waters it, and he expects it to bear fruit. And it will bear much fruit. So Jesus expects us to bear fruit for Him. And the fruit is not only of the Holy Spirit, our fruit is in the seeds that we plant in other people's lives. And those people who come to Jesus through the seeds that have been planted through our lips, through our behavior, through the authority that we work in, nothing can stop what is coming. We need to realize this. Nothing. Nothing can stop who is coming. The Lord of the heavenly armies is coming. And it's time for God's army to stand up and unite with the authority that has been given to us and the responsibility that we have with this gospel, the good news, to set the captives free, to bring down every stronghold, to break every chain because the word of God cannot be chained.
We worship your majesty, Lord, and we come before you this morning. We pray that you will turn us inside out and upside down and that your spirit will work in us and give us the power, my God, to witness. That we, my God, will live a crucified life in you, Jesus Christ, disciplined as we wait upon you. For your word says, those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength and they shall soar like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. For Lord, we pray for a Holy Spirit revival in this place, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I bring every community in the wilderness area I bring to you. Claim crowns, wilderness heights, toast mountain. I bring the problems that we have with drug addictions, with substance abuse, domestic violence, with sin and shame. And I thank you, Jesus Christ, for you have entered this world and you have broken the power of sin and Satan and death over our lives. And we give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise and the adoration, my God, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will give us the confidence and the strength to proclaim you, Jesus Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit, that we will see people come to you, that we will be there to walk alongside and to nurture and to bring up people, men and women, who will worship you in spirit and in truth. And that we will see the transformation of lives as the Spirit sanctifies us and we bear fruit. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. For there is no other living God who has the power to save. So we exalt you, Lord, and we magnify your holy name, and we walk by faith because of who you are. We will trust you, my God, to deliver our people, and we will preach the good news, the gospel of peace, to set the captives free. To heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. To open the eyes of the blind that they may see, that the lame may walk, and that the poor may say, I am rich, because it is in you, Jesus Christ, that we are more than confident. Through you, Christ, who loves us. Come and sanctify us for your purpose. We pray and we ask this with 
thanksgiving and praise. Thank you, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God, and our Savior. Amen. Lord, you spoke out of the whirlwind. Your voice is like a voice of raging waters. You are the God and the only superpower. You are the Almighty, Lord. Your church, Lord, wake us up, Lord. And I pray for all of us, we pray, Lord, that you give us a voice. You give us an authority, Lord. It's time for your church and your people to roar, to shout your name, to declare your truth, to be like soldiers in your army, Lord. Wake us up, Lord. And Father God, all it takes is a little flame to set flame fire to a whole forest. So Lord, set your spark off in each of us. Spark us a light. And let this spark burn over your earth, over your creation, Lord. Throughout every community, not just here. Lord, the earth is your footstool. Lord, it's your authority that we walk and we, we walk and we live and breathe your word and we walk upon your truth and your promises. And Lord, as a soldier, we trust and obey your orders, your commands. And Lord, when you say stand at ease, we are still in formation behind you. Let us not slack, let us not tarry, let us not delay. The time is now, Lord. The time is running out, the sands of time. You have given us chance for peace. You have given us your love. You have given us your gift. But what have we done with it, Lord? Bring a roar back into your people's hearts and to their mouths. Let us declare with authority. Let us speak with authority. Your authority, Lord. Pierce us, convict us, Lord. Let this seed be planted deep within our hearts, deep within our souls, and let us not forget this day. Because it's all about you, Jesus. You are the all in all. You are our commander-in-chief. You are the Lord of the heavenly armies. This is the Jesus. This is the real Jesus. The victorious Jesus. And it's time to unleash the victory of God's army. In Jesus' name.
From the south, the whirlwind shall come. Lord, you will raise up a whirlwind from the south. And this whirlwind will travel all the way to your city. Your kingdom will increase. Your light will increase. People's eyes will be opened. Lives will be changed. Communities will be transformed. But Lord, it starts from the south. Let your whirlwind start, Lord. Bring your tsunami. From this point, this southern tip of Africa. All the way to Jerusalem. Nothing can change what is coming. It's already done. The battle is yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And your children are numbered by their name. And you have a new name for every single one of us. As we line up in formation, stewards and ambassadors, warriors and soldiers, athletes, farmers, all for your glory, Lord. It's the least we can do. Lord, we thank you then for the inspiration that you've given us. We ask that you will part us not only with your blessing, but that flame of fire that you would have us carry out to our surroundings and the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your glory, Lord. Oh, gosh. <laughs>